Hey everyone, hey and welcome back to yet another episode of Alpha Metallica. This is your host, Tom Gui here. We are back with yet another episode. If you're not familiar with the show, we are going through the entire back catalogue of Metallica in alphabetical order. You've joined us today at the M's at Moth Into Flame, precisely. This, of course, is of Hardwired, the band's most recent album at the time of us recording. It's kind of crazy to think that this song is nearly three years old. I think it's September 2016 on uh, Howard Stern when it was debuted, and uh, um, yeah, wonderful track. Looking forward to getting to this track and breaking it down. As always, get in touch with me, MetallicaPod at gmail.com if you want to come on and discuss a song at MetallicaPod on the Twitter before each episode. I open the Twitter up to your, your feedback on the song, your thoughts, your memories. I'm going to read out some great reminisces today. Uh, if you want to support the show, if you enjoy the show, you want to give back to the show, Patreon is there, patreon.com forward slash Alpha Metallica. All the episodes go on there first, and you sort of get a behind-the-scenes look at what I'm working on. Um, iTunes, if you want to leave us a review. And uh, yeah, it's not normally myself on my own, it is myself and a guest, and today I'm joined by Adam from upstate New York. Adam, how's it going, man? Hey, Tom, how you doing? Very well, man. You um, you did a bit of student radio, is that right, at college, where you became, you sort of played Moth Into Flame, debuted it there? Yes, I did. And it's actually funny that I heard you mention that I didn't even know they debuted it. Like, they debuted it live on Stern? I believe so, yeah. I found that on the Wikipedia that it was on Sturm, yeah, um, on September twenty uh, September 26, 2016, and the music video was uploaded a few hours later. So, yeah, I believe they did play it live there. But but how did, how did that happen with you and yourself debuting it? It's funny because uh, the reason I wanted to get into radio was I'm actually a big Stern fan, and I didn't yeah. even know they debuted on that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they um, um they, they did a Master of Puppets performance as well, I think, the same day, which is a crazy live performance. I don't know if you've seen that in the studio. I have seen that one. Yeah. So I remember when they first announced that uh, they were releasing a new album. It was my – so I'm kind of younger, and I was just got into the band, like really got into them right after Death Magnetic mm-hmm. had come out. So this was like my first album that I was going to follow, really see all the singles, hear what's going on, like leaks or anything that's coming out and get excited for a first time release. Um, I think Hardwired, the song came out. It came out first, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe that was it, the first one. Yeah, that one came out. And to be honest with you, I wasn't that impressed with it. Yep. I was just kind of like, oh, it's OK. It's not what i expected have, have so. you have you changed your opinion in the years ensuing or do you still feel kind of ambivalent or about hardwood it's it's okay it's not i know what, i know what you mean i kind of agree yeah it's it's a kind of it's you know it's a show opener it's a hetfield riff yeah. but it's not like a classic or anything like yeah yeah yeah. it's definitely it's uh, i've seen it live like not in person but watching videos seen it live and it sounds good live it's just i like a lot of other songs on the album better yeah but anyway um so that wasn't going to, just because I didn't care for one song, I'm not going to write off the whole album. I tend, I try not to do that. Yeah. So I think I, so I host, hosted a radio show on my local college station every Monday night. Mm-hmm. And so that September date you mentioned must have been a Monday because I saw on their, it must have been like their Facebook page or something that they released the music video and I had to heard the song and I'm like, I'm on the air and what I usually did is I would go through the songs and I'd have a set list and make sure it was regular radio here in America. So you can't have cursing on it or any of that. So uh, I have to go through and edit some of the songs. So I was like, Oh, this would be cool. If I listen to this new Metallica song live on the air and I'm like, Oh, I want to do it, but I'm afraid if there's cursing. So what I did is I decided, eh, screw it. I ended up doing it. 
And while it was playing, I had the music video over on one side of my computer, and I looked up the lyrics, and I was search frantically searching through the lyrics, making <laughs> sure there wasn't any cursing. Yeah. Thank God there wasn't. Nope. And so the first time of me listening to the song was me worried about if they're cursing, so I missed <laughs> like the first minute just trying to find mm-hmm. out. The song actually made its live debut the day after the Stone performance on September 27th, 2016, okay. which was the okay. uh, Webster Hall. And that was actually the 30th anniversary of Cliff Burton's death, funnily enough. Really? Um, you know, odd, odd bit of serendipity. But just before we get into the song as a whole, Adam, um, yourself and Metallica, you got into them in the late 90s, is that right? Yes. Well, I was born in the late 90s, and I say that because I'm the type of person where I... Remember, I listened to your Minus Human show, the the guy you were talking about. Oh, is, yeah. And I've listened to your podcast. I'm a big fan. You always ask people what you're, uh, when you first got into sure. Metallica. And I honestly can't answer that because my parents were big into classic rock, right, grunge, right. heavy metal. Mm-hmm. So they would always be listening to it. My dad had hundreds of CDs and tapes. Uh, both him and my mother always listened to, listened to the local rock stations here. So I was surrounded by stuff like that and Metallica from a very young age. I guess the best I can give you, my earliest memory would probably be real late 90s, early 2000s. We had a boat and we would go out on the boat and my dad would always put on the local station here and it would probably, I don't even know the song, but it would probably be something from the Black Album, Load and Reload, because that's what was big. We would play it all the time back then. Getting forward then into Moth, which mm-hmm. is off hardwired, which, you know, obviously, and a lot of people point to it as being one of the highlights off the album. Where, where do you yep. rank it in terms of the hardwired album as a whole? I definitely agree with that. Mm. Um, it's probably one of my personal favorites. And usually I'll when I get into albums, I'll play it like crazy and then I'll get sick of it. But Moth is one of those songs that if it comes up in like a shuffle or something, I'll always listen to it and won't skip it. That one probably one of my favorites is between that and one that i've noticed i don't know about lately but i noticed a lot of fans don't care for this one if you agree with me on this is uh now that we're dead on the album mm-hmm. i really it, like that one. it divides a lot of people um people are of a huge acolytes of it or i think the poppy inflections turn a lot of truths off yeah and i think the reason i like it and i was reading that a lot of people thought it was their closest of them sounding to the load reload era mm. since the load reload era and that's what kind of got me into the band so that probably the song gives me a little bit of nostalgia if you know what i mean and the song itself i mean the song begins immediately we're straight into it uh Lars's symbols are sizzling mm-hmm. away and it's got yep. a very new wave of british heavy metal kind of dual lead line pulsing at the start right mm. oh yeah and then into that main riff which to me is probably i said this before on the show is probably the highlight of hardwired as a record for me the chug into the you know na 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 that kind of that that moth yeah. motif that pirouette into the second section of the riff which is really tight and chomping and wonderfully executed i mean i i, I don't know about you i cannot get enough of the main moth into flame riff i've listened to this song hundreds of times and it doesn't fail to, to get me excited as it builds into the first verse yeah yeah i definitely agree with that i was uh i listened to the song uh probably a couple hours before we recorded this just to get myself re-familiarized with it. And I I agree with that point 
hundred percent. That riff comes in, you're like, holy shit, this yeah. is a good fucking song. Yeah, yeah, and it doesn't really feel like a Hetfield riff of old. It feels no. like you know, it's still chuggy, it's still freshy, but he's kind of breaking new ground with some of the note choices. That was one of my main criticisms of Load and Reload. Mm-hmm. You know, it's relying too much on the five seven, on the pentatonic, on the shapes that we've kind of heard before. But you know, if, um, one of the things that I tend to do with the show when we're covering the songs is watch people play it live on guitar as well. I like to see what it just looks like on the fretboard. And there's yep. just lots going on in Marth. There's a hell of a lot of movement going forward. Um, thematically, James has touched on these ideas before. You say like memory remains. You know the, the the faded starlet, the price of fame, the sunset boulevard sort of stuff. I was actually doing a bit of research for the episode. I didn't realize mm. it was directly influenced by Amy Winehouse. Apparently, James, oh really? Yeah. Apparently, James had watched the 2015 documentary Amy, and he said, "quote The song was somewhat inspired by the Amy Winehouse documentary. When I watched it, it really made me sad that a talented person like that fell for the fame part of it. But to some degree, I see that mentality reflected in daily lives. And uh, what do you make of the lyrics, the ideas?" this song uh see i love the lyrics Mm. but my biggest thing is people always make fun of me for this is like i love the lyrics and i'll sing along with them and do whatever but i'm a person that i ignore the meaning and what i mean by that is i don't pay attention enough to know the meaning Uh, yeah unless like how you explained how he might have gotten inspired by that amy winehouse documentary it makes a lot more sense when i think back about it Mm -hmm. but no i think it's not because obviously a lot of their criticism is uh, some of James's lyrics, especially during the load and reload era, which I like that era, but I will admit there are some pretty dumb lyrics from that time sure. that these lyrics did not seem, it seemed like it was coming from somewhere from James. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it actually, it had a deeper feel to it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, definitely. And there's like, there's a, there's a poet's eye for a turn of phrase as well. The high times going timeless. I quite like destruction going viral. And structurally, the way the verses start with the double kick, blacked out, tapped out, uh, decadence, infamy, him sort of barking this ideas, and then it being resolved uh, by the further um, lyrics. The song moves forward at you know a fantastic pace. There's a real catch and release. There's a real earworm of that riff coming in as well. And the song gets really fast and quite dangerous. Like, um, you know, I love the whole, the lighted up section as well. Um, there's oh, a yeah. relentlessness to it. It reminds me a little bit of Broken Beat and Scarred. And a lot of Death Magnetic in general, I suppose. It's just very imposing. It's so consistent and wild. I really started to get into the band and pay attention probably about a year after Death Magnetic came out. So that was an album that I was like, oh, this is what... Because, like, I've known... I heard Santa Anger, Load and Reload, and Black Album. I grew up with it. I was like, so Death Magnetic was the closest thing to, oh, this is what they sound like now. And I agree, it definitely had that broken, beaten, scarred, and that whole Death Magnetic feel to it, but it modernized it in a way and made it sound better, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, and... uh... The, the lighted up section as well is bookended by the harmony lines that we hear mm-hmm. at the start of the song. And these come throughout, and I think they blend really well. I think that's something quite new for the band. You know, you didn't really see that in Death Magnetic. Normally it's just riff pulled on riff here. They have these guitars kind of etching out the eaves of the song. And um, the whole, you know, Soldier Soul section as well is really strong. And it just has a kind of bark and release, you know, him just going, who cares at all, same rise and for building into the moth into the flame. I mean, the moth into the flame as an image, it's kind of a classic fable image. You yeah. know, everyone's familiar with it. But, it. but it's effective and it's poignant, I guess, in this context. I, I 
I definitely agree with that. It's just, and you mentioned the music video. I thought, because it was, I remember, I think it was had the lamps that were swinging, and I just mm-hmm. thought it was, from when I was the first time when I was paying attention to it after I found out there wasn't any cursing in it, and I was like, you know what? I'm not huge into music videos, but this one has a pretty cool visual to it. It does, it does. I mean, all the hardwired songs got videos. Yep. Um, myself and my friend Sam have now viewed all the videos um, and did a little, I think we did like five episode feature on it and stuff like that. And yeah, the Moth one's definitely a highlight where you get to see the band. It's more of a kind of straight up music video, whereas mm. some of the other ones are a bit more, you know, out there and obtuse and stuff. But the song is packed full of brilliance from Hetfield. I love the opening riff, as I say before. I love the, the other riffs all there. You know, that he sings over yep. as well. I, I think that just, that refrain, that twist, again, it's very simple, but I think it works so well with the chug. And, you know, Adam, it's a running theme with the show and it's became a bit of a parody at this point that I criticise Kirk. I yeah. think <laughs> I think I think Kirk Hammett is a fantastic guitar player. I think he has some wonderful solo moments. Uh yeah, at the moment I'm writing my notes, I'm always kind of writing a two, three weeks in advance. I'm writing my notes mm. for my friend of misery. I think, you know, I sort of forgot how good his solo was in that. I just hadn't listened to the song properly for a little while. Um, This is actually a kind of highlight of me, of his solo in Hardwired. Again, narratively, it's not the most compelling mode, but it's kind of hyped. It kind of moves. I like the way it builds. I like the use of wah. And it just adds to the energy and release. I mean, what do you make of the lead playing here? Um, I definitely agree with your uh, criticisms of Kirk. Uh, I have fans, I have uh, friends of mine that are fans of Metallica, and they shit on Kirk all the time. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's, I'm a fan of guitar playing myself. I follow a lot of, like, instrumental guitarists, so I who, love who, Kirk. Who do, you, who do you like instrumentally out of interest? Um, my main, and I've actually seen him three times, uh, Steve Vai. Yo, I, I, I adore Steve Vai. I think Steve oh. is the guy. I've never actually seen him. I, no, I saw him live once at a London guitar show, kind of a clinic, but I'd never seen him perform like, but the Ultra Zone, Fire Garden, oh, yeah. Passion mm. and Warfare, they're my shit, man. I love those albums. Oh, yeah. Steve, I, I actually, now I just forgot, I saw him a fourth time with Yngwie uh, Malmsteen, Zach Wilde. Oh, was that uh, that um, Generation Axe? Yep, and Nuno Betancourt. That oh, show man. was insane. They haven't they haven't came to Europe yet, but I would love to. I've watched some of that on YouTube. That's crazy. They didn't. I think they did like Bohemian Rhapsody and shit. I don't know if they did that when you saw them, but they're covering um, I think they did. Yeah, it's. Yeah. I mean, there was so much guitar theatrics. It's kind of hard. to Honestly, remember. it's you, uh, my father's a big fan of all that stuff too. Mm-hmm. So him and I, we walked out and we were like, uh, we had a headache just because yeah. there's in a good way because yeah, there was yeah. so much and. Yeah, if they do come to your neck of the woods, I definitely recommend oh, going no, and seeing it. No, I'm there. I mean, yeah, look, Kirk is no Steve Vai. We don't, <laughs> you know, he's he's not here. And the solo that's played in Moth is not something Steve Vai would, would do. And I think, no. you know, you know, like, I even like Steve Vai when he was in David Lee Roth's band in the 80s. I, I, I think Eat Him and Smile is an inc- one of the best rock albums of the 80s. Like, he kind of out Van Halen, Van Halen on that record. And, and Skyscraper yep. as well is fantastic, the, the follow-up. But um, yeah, this is kind of a solo that just kind of works purely off visceral energy and you know i don't know if you've watched many of the videos of them in the studio where lars is like coaching kirk through the solos and Mm. this felt like less of a solo that lars had pieced together in the studio on pro tools um it felt more like a a convincing hole but but yeah i I really like the solo but i I don't know about yourself as well it's just like 
don't be so reliant on War. Like, use mm-hmm. War at the crescendo in the build, but he's just got War throughout the entire thing, and it kind of dilutes it slightly for me. It's always, that's always been, well, not always, but definitely yeah, I mean, since pretty I much. the Black Album. Yeah. That's yeah, been yeah, Kirk's yeah. thing. He loves the WAP. He does. He does. I mean, it kind of um, helps to cover him a little bit as well, I suppose. It kind of makes notes do work when you're not. Um, and that sort of idea. But, but, but yeah, it's nothing spectacular, but the sensation is exciting. And the whole song, really, you know, mm. um, it's a fairly long song in terms of sort of modern metal rock songs, almost six minutes. It's five minutes 51. But I don't think there's a second of it that's really wasted. I think it's composed really well. My judge of a song, usually of songs that I like, is if no matter how long it is, if I'm listening to the song and it ends and I want more, then you know it's a good song, and that's how mm. that's how I feel with Moth and a lot of this album. To be honest, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm, I, I dig Hardwired. Um, for the most part, the album I do prefer Death Magnetic. I'm one of those guys. I just mm-hmm. I just think it's a bit more interesting. I think there's a little bit of um, flab on Hardwired here and there. Like again, as I say, I'm working on notes. I'm working on Murder One at the moment. Um, which uh, and and man unkind. Oh no, we covered man unkind recently, but murder one I'm working mm-hmm. on, and yeah, that's um, that's a little bit um, yeah OTOs for me perhaps. But 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 yeah, the song's good, and I like the way that he brings in the na 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 yeah. that riff at the end as well. It kind of interrupts Hetfield as they build towards the end. The song replicates the start. Na 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 na. You know, this is a really good song. Um, I have to say, I've got no real criticism against it. I really yeah. really enjoy it, and I. I will continue to listen to it whenever it comes on the playlist and um funnily enough bit of research on this song uh, purely off wikipedia apparently this is the official theme song for an american tv show uh tbs's e-league which is kind of like you know like esports when people play yeah. like video games and stuff um mm. i wasn't aware of that but it kind of makes sense i can kind of hear that i wasn't either you know what it's funny you say that because i'm getting into radio and i want to have my own show eventually mm. and uh I was listening to this and I was like, you know, this could make a good theme song. So it's funny that it is a theme show, yeah. theme song to a TV show. Yeah, and uh, of course, this was a song that they played with Lady Gaga as well at yep. the uh, 59 Grammy Awards, where Hetfield's mic wasn't working. And he, you know, did you the hear the uh, the one where the rehearsal version? I think it's way better. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, it is, and it's it's really cool that um, that Gaga was on that as well. And um, as we always do, we offer it open to the Twitter at Metallica Pod. Got some good response on this one. Uh, Ralph saying standout track on Hardwired and the highlight of the live show. I think it's safe to say that this song is a modern day classic. Nick saying the best. Nick saying the best crafted song on Hardwired. My favourite, an instant classic. Instant classic, says Angelo Gonzalez. Uh, a thrasher that has pop sensibilities. Luke saying, must have listened to this one pretty much every day from the day it came out to the day the full album dropped. Certified banger. Tom saying, modern classic. Samuel saying, hard uh, highlight and hardwired. Connoisseur saying, I love uh, Lars's bass drum sound on this. I mean, everyone's saying it's an instant classic. Like, it's... it's I can imagine this being played for a few years to come, you know what I mean? I think this is going on the live Pantheon. Yeah, if they do, if Metallica does ever, and it's still unsure, if they do ever go and make another album and go on another tour like that, I would hope, unlike they do with Death Magnetic, they kind of don't play anything from it. Mm-hmm. I would hope that they play like at least at least Moth. 
in the future. At least, Moth, yeah, at least, Moth, I agree. I think that would be the one that would carry over. I think this is probably one of the more celebrated tracks on there. And, you know, maybe in the future, like we have Justice Medley's, you know, her Clint Wells Sam Medley podcast recently, they should do a Death Magnetic Medley, which would be a really good idea to pull all those riffs out. And I think people would want to hear stuff like Moth on there. The song is played live regularly. It's actually been played 122 times. Um, mm-hmm. It was first played in your dear state of New York, uh, September 29th, 2016, that we mentioned before. And it was last played just yesterday, March 4th, in Wichita, Kansas. And of course, they are going to play it every fucking night of the worldwide tour as they continue their domination around the globe. Um, any closing thoughts on the track? Um, on the track itself, uh, I think we wrapped it up pretty well that a lot so. of the people on Twitter said it. Like, yeah. it, it has the potential to become... If it could break out, of like ever since Load and every album that's after, they kind of they play the tracks when they're on tour, and then you kind of don't hear from them again. I think Moth could be one of those tracks that gets played and lumped in with everything that's usually played on Ride or Puppets or Justice that they bring out. And, as their classics, yeah. quote-unquote. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I should say another thing that I really like is after the end of the second verse, as we get into that movement, when James says, burn, and then it's na-na-na-na-da-da. Like, that riff is so heavy. And it's when really he has good. a na-na-na-na-na-na, you know, guarantee your name, you go and kill yourself, the vultures feast around you still, and all that sort of idea. Like, it's just, it's just a really satisfying song. It's just the band sort of calculating and, and, and dominating on a slightly different frequency that still is the essence of Metallica. I think the band plays great i think again there's a terrific kirk solo that isn't necessarily what i would deem you know it ain't it ain't like some of alien love secrets uh that yep. our friend mr <laughs> vi would do which i, I that's got, got me thinking that he, there must be a steve vi podcast and if there isn't i'd certainly like to look into doing one maybe on a bit older but um but yeah yeah i, I really really heavily fuck with vi as well so um which which i've made clear so we will um we'll close with a few quick fire questions um mm-hmm. adam the first of which being what is your favorite metallica song in general well, that's a tough question, yeah. <laughs> as I'm sure you're a big Metallica fan. Mm-hmm. Probably a tough question for you. Probably, and out of pure nostalgia, and I know you don't care for this era, but I, I, I got to go back to Bleeding Me. It Bleeding really Me, is yeah, crazy. yeah. I mean, that, that makes sense. That's been said quite a few times, and you know that. I mean, yeah, that, that's a that's got a killer Kirk solo actually, and that mm-hmm. is a that is a really atmospheric track. Like, yeah, Bleeding Me is 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 a good song. What about your favorite album of the band? It's another one. <laughs> Um, I'm not going to be stereotypical and say load because there are some tracks that I don't like, but Mm. if I had, I'll narrow it down to two, probably between, and these are two that aren't similar at all, probably between Ride the Lightning and St. Anger, oddly enough. Wow. Okay. You're a St. Anger fan. Yes, I am. Me too. Me too. I mean, what is it about the record that you enjoy? I, my godfather was, he, he's not a Metallica fan in the slightest, but he loves St. Anger, which I think is hilarious. Yeah. It's the only Metallica album that he'll like pick up and be like, I want to listen to this. And he was the one that showed it to me when I was getting into the band. Mm -hmm. And he's like, he loves that grunt, that raw, like garage sound that it has to it. And he's like, it's such a contrast from load and reload, which he does not like those albums. He'll agree with you on that. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I remember we just li- we're listening to every track, and I'm like, I get the pe- I get everyone's complaints about it, but it's still got some great riffs. It's yeah. got some cool lyrical themes, and just like I love that raw sound of it. I I saw what they were doing, and I got it. Yeah, 
yeah, yeah, the the, the sound. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it is Marmite. It is love-hate, and I get that. I don't know yeah. people out there despise it and the snare and whatever, and the songs are too long. And That's the beauty of music, isn't it? It's something that you think yep. is an utter masterpiece. People will think is the worst thing ever, and, 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 and vice versa. And, you know, that, that's kind of the beauty of creative art. So um, what about your favorite member of the band? Oh, favorite member is probably James. Mm-hmm. Probably James. I loved, again, this goes back to my nostalgia, but I love Jason when he was in the band. Mm-hmm. Love Jason. But if it's current, it's going to be James. It has to be James. I mean, yeah, he's 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 the fucking heart and soul, isn't he, really? He's the beat yeah. yeah, middle of the band. Yeah, I mean, Lars is a, I mean, I don't think anyone said Kirk yet. I think everyone said everyone else. Maybe no one said Rob either, but Jason does come up very frequently as well as does cliff uh yeah. lars and james are pretty much the most prevalent james obviously uh, the most of those two um what about seeing the band live have you seen them live at all unfortunately not they came okay. around my area in uh uh I think, I think in january it was or something like that they came around to the albany it was the first time they played in albany since 08 and i unfortunately had to work the day before uh. and the day after so i couldn't swing it so hopefully they tour again, but yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you, I mean, you've seen Steve Vai a few times, you know what I mean? Yes. Forget, forget, forget about Metallica. Um, okay, final question. Um, what's a band that you would like to do a podcast on, like Alf Metallica? What's a band that you could do them on that you, you know you know their back catalogue well? Um, a back catalogue? Hmm. Or, or a band you home. really love, I guess, that you just want to talk about. I could definitely do one on Pink Floyd or Zeppelin. I'm sure there's something like that. But oh, I love man. that you mentioned that you do later on. You'd love to do a Steve Vai podcast because <laughs> I probably could do that. <laughs> I, I, I'm not I even don't know joking. who would care other than me and you. Yeah, but... <laughs> yeah, no, he's got fans. He's got fans out there. And, you know, I mean, my my, cu- my older cousin, actually, who got me into Metallica, was also a giant Steve Vai fan. And he, like, had all... Because Steve Vai is one of those people that he has all the box sets on his website and the yeah. outtakes, and you can really go in deep. And one of the albums that he has that really got me into Vai um, was Piano Reductions. I don't know if you've heard oh, that yeah, record. Yeah. Where, I mean, you know, listeners who don't know Steve I is, you know, it's kind of a cliche that everyone just thinks virtuoso, just a million mile a minute, you know, players. When in reality, songs like Dying Day and For the Love of God and Bad Horsey are just you know, unbelievable compositions melodically, like terrific songs. And Piano Reductions is, I think it's Mike Keneally, um, is basically yes, it is. Yeah, recomposing the songs on piano. And they sound amazing, like, you know, really, really kind of eye-opening. And I think he has a live album called Live in the Ultra World, where each song he plays in a different country, and each song he wrote yep. for that country, and it kind of, you know, um, embodies certain cultural tropes or whatever. But, but but yeah, I mean, if I'm not going to do a Steve Vai podcast, I'd certainly like to just talk about Steve Vai on a podcast and discuss his music. And I think he's a really cool dude as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, follow on Instagram. Seems like a really, really nice guy. And you're always interested in seeing his, uh, his music. His rhythm guitar player, actually, Dave Weiner, Dave Weiner, um, um, yep. He's really great as well, and I like a lot of his material. Obviously, he surrounds himself very talented people. But um, yeah, Pink Floyd and Zeppelin. Um, you would think I've just normally I Google it when the guests say this, so it looks like there is a Zeppelin podcast called Ramble on Radio. I don't know mm-hmm. how um, you know consistent they are with that. There must be a few Pink Floyd pod. Yeah, there is Brain Damage, a definitive Pink Floyd podcast. So there's a few out there. I mean, yeah, Pink Floyd. Wow, you can go fucking deep on that. Like, I, oh, I really yeah. fuck with Pink Floyd. <laughs> 
and um, I really like the Division Bell. I know a lot of people don't like that record. One of the late era records. Um, I love more Gilmore, but that that's a really good. But, but obviously the main ones, Animals and, and Dark Side and Wall, and are just yeah, absolutely totemic records. So um, yeah, this has been great, man. I guess finally, um, how do people get at you? Is there any projects you like to promote or anything like that? Um, there's not really much that I'm doing right mm-hmm. now, but I guess I'll give my Instagram. It's okay. something that people can follow me. Adam Severa, C-E-R-V-E-R-A. Yeah, they, Adam Severa. They'll, they'll be able to see your name in the, in the title and stuff like that. But yeah, follow, yep. follow Adam there. Um, follow us as well at MetallicaPod. Get in touch with MetallicaPod at gmail.com. If you want to be like Adam, you want to come on the show soon. Um, you know, we've always got songs available. If you want to get on the show, it is going to be, you know, a little while in the future, unfortunately. But, you know, hit me up. I'll get back to you with a list, maybe three or four songs that are available, and we'll get you down in the spreadsheet. If you also want to support the show, uh, we are patreon.com forward slash alphabetallica. Please leave a review as well on iTunes if you appreciate us. Um, yeah, this has been great. Let us know down below what you think about Moth. Um, subscribe to the channel. Adam, thank you again, sir. Thank you very much, Tom.